0: Hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast, member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Just wanna let you know I uh, just finished a book, Pharmacy School Rankings for Residency, uh, Solving the Applications Puzzle for Future Pharmacists. I wanted to go through it with you and kind of talk a little bit about uh, how pharmacy school rankings matter in residency. And uh, it's amazingly hard to find them. Uh, and they're not usually set up in this way, so I wanna kind of go over how I uh, set it up in the book. Uh, and then the cha- 20 chapters uh, that I have in there. Uh, so let's start with uh, you know the prologue. I just kind of talk about the big five questions, and uh, you can see these in there. But the big thing is figuring out, like, what percentage of students get a residency interview from your college? Uh, what percentage of those students that get an interview um, get the residency? Uh, what are the odds a student from your school will get the residency at a particular site? And that depends on two things. Where are the current residents from geographically and where did the current residents go to pharmacy school and really more, how well did that pharmacy school do? Uh, Four is how many residency applications should you send? And five, what are the best places for you to apply? Uh, So those five things you can go look for free uh, on there. But what I wanna go through uh, is uh, kind of what I was trying to get a hold of and kind of trying to do with each of these different ways of uh, talking about uh, the rankings. So let's look at chapter one first. And these are the interview rate percentages. So uh, what I did as an interview rate is there's a three kind of steps. And the first step is uh, getting an interview. And in the rankings, it actually says register for the match. And then active with the match is someone that actually ranked. So. When you talk about how many people made it from one to the other, you have to get an interview to rank like you. You can't rank a a school that didn't or a residency that didn't interview you You will not be ranking you. So there's no reason to rank them. Uh, But the top four schools actually got 100 percent. That is, they uh, all every single applicant uh, got a residency interview and that provides some layer of comfort uh, but these tend to be smaller because the smaller the school the more likely you're going to have that uh, you have this really small group of people that are going to qualify so uh, auhs in uh, i think it's signal hill in california sun i think is how you pronounce it cedarville university of puerto rico and then UCSF, which is very familiar, uh, came in uh, number five and 97%, Thomas Jefferson at 97%, uh, University of Finlay, uh, 96%, Wayne State, 94%, UNC, 94%, Iowa, 94%, uh, Rhode Island, 94%, Northeast, which is Neomed, 94 uh, Drake, 93 Binghamton, 93 and Connecticut, 93 So it's just kind of nice to know the very first thing is, well, you know, if I apply to residency in the first place and I go to some school, what are the chances I'm going to get an interview? Like, is it even worth my time? And, you know, when you're looking at this group in the top 15, uh, it's going to be over, you know, 93 percent. And I hate to use grades like it's an A. Uh, but obviously, I, I would feel very comfortable when I see that there's over a nine out of 10 chance uh, that I'm going to get that interview. Um, but that was just kind of one of the first things uh, that I looked at. And then I kind of went into the next piece, which is chapter two, uh, which is the match rate. So the match rate, I first kind of looked at three-year schools to see, is there a difference between three-year schools and four-year schools in the match rate? And it's significant uh, if you take them as a whole, but you don't go to 22 three-year schools, and there's now 24 if you count some satellites and so forth you go to one school. So where does your school match? And there are two schools that are relatively new that have amazing match rates uh, in the three-year school space. And I just, you know, how can you be a school that just came into existence and you are doing better than all these other schools. I would really love to talk to those people. And one of the schools I did get to meet uh, a bunch of their students and and I got to interview them uh, the last time SCHP was in Vegas. Uh, And they were really, really, really nice people. And and it just, uh, you could just kind of tell, I wish you could say you could really get it, but I don't know. I I would like to work with them is what I'm saying. So on the side of, I have no idea what their grades were, how qualified they were, Uh, I just know that um, they were someone that I could see, you know, I would love to work with them for a year or something like that. Uh, then what about distance online programs? So now we're up to seven online programs. Unfortunately, the data isn't separated. So we don't know, uh, did the online students do better? Did the in-person do better? Uh, how how did they do relative to each other? And that would be much more valuable uh, to separate that information. Uh, and then the national match rate ranking. So uh, I put them in 15s because what it does is with 148 f- you know, pharmacy schools basically reporting uh, or their satellites and so forth. And it's a little weird that some schools have their satellites reporting and others don't break it up that way, even though I know they have satellites. So I'm not clear on on why that is. Uh, But what you can do is quickly figure out like, okay, Well, in the interview rate, I'm group one, two, and sometimes there's ties. So just count yourself in the group above. So like if there's a tie between the top one in group two and the bottom one in group one, you're still probably group one. Like that's where I would put you. Um, So when we look at next is, okay, well, so maybe your school is like a number two with interview rate, uh, number three with match rate, uh, and then a number one, well, you, you would, Uh, you know, maybe a number two with persistence rate. And so that's what chapter three is about. I thought it was more important to take all of the pieces. Okay, how well did somebody interview? How well did somebody match? And then when you take that person that started the process as registered, you know, when you use that as uh, the denominator instead of, you know, that active with list, Uh, you get to really see a different group of schools, okay? Uh, Next thing, uh, do NAPLEX pass rates matter? I think there's going to be a huge backlash uh, this year uh, against certain schools, and we're not going to know who they are until uh, May, and I'm going to kind of expound on that. So the the acceptance rate to, to residency if you look at the match rate went up to 77 from around 67 so about 10 percent. so that means a lot more students got residencies but that also means that when you see the naplex decline which it did by another two percent that means that rpds are now dealing with probably more naplex failures and more mpje failures and cpje i would assume too than they've ever had to deal with before. And if all of a sudden an RPD gets two failures from the same school, or maybe they're buddies with somebody at the hospital system down the road, and they're like, yeah, I got somebody from that school too. And they failed the NAPLEX too. So I think that is going to be a delayed blowback where uh, they're going to look at somebody twice and you're really gonna wanna kinda know where the NAPLEX pass rate is because you wanna show them that, No, I did not wait till the last month. I did not wait till residency to pass to study for the NAPLEX. I actually did RX prep. You know, I did like four or five uh, RX prep chapters every single appy. And so I'm actually three quarters of the way studied by the time I got to April. That would bring, or I will be, you know, three quarters of the way studied by the time I get to April or May, and that will that will warm a residency program director's heart. Uh, when you show in and i I feel like what's going to happen is is from those naplex failures all of a sudden they're going to start asking questions in the interview that are very naplex like and they're like all right well i can do my own assessment i can see if you're going to pass the naplex or not okay you had an appy in this topic let's ask some naplex questions from that chapter Uh, and then just kind of turn them around a little bit but that's what I would do if I'm an RPD because I am not going to get burnt twice because it's on me if you you know one resident maybe you know doesn't pass the NAPLEX or MPJE out of a six or eight okay that happens but if multiple residents are failing and multiple residents are getting dismissed that's on the RPD for not having put some kind of way or mechanism to assess during the interview, you know, is this person going to pass the NAPLEX? Is that likely? Uh, I did put the MPJE and CPJE pass rates in here just for some context to remind you that first of all, MPJE pass rates are only 80% and CPJE pass rates are in the 50s. So when you are applying as a Californian to a California residency, You want to be very clear of how hard you've been studying for the CPJE. MPJE is no joke either. I mean, I honestly, if, if I worked for the VA, I would absolutely get my Idaho license first because I wouldn't have to pass the MPJE, put 100% of my effort into the NAPLEX uh, and move from there. And now with Idaho State uh, offering in-state tuition to out of staters for the first year, and then they've got some mechanism of allowing you to become an in-stater, uh, you know, it's it's even better. But with MPJE and CPJE, I would make sure that I am very clear to the to the RPD. Hey, I know you didn't bring it up, but I'm going to bring it up. I've been studying for the NAPLEX for since May of last year. I have been using the NAPLEX RX Prep or whatever. Uh, to you know do this and I am not someone who is going to wait till residency when it's super busy to try to pass the NAPLEX you can count on me and the other thing that that does is it shows that you empathize with their situation because it's going to be bad and I'm telling you like they are not happy uh, right now as they're finding and dismissing residents or having to dismiss residents because they're, you know, you go right to the residency manual if you're not, uh, you know, you didn't pass in four months, and you started July one. So we're talking about July, August, September, and then October. That's it. You know, you you can't you can't do it. Um, so. Uh, again, uh, please, please uh, do integrate the NAPLEX into your appies. Do make a plan with your preceptors. Just studying four or five chapters, then chapters from RxPrep, makes a huge difference. Uh, number seven, I did separate uh, private and public colleges uh, with all of these later on because it is so huge for. Because it is so huge for. Uh, somebody that is going to a private school relative to a public school. It's just a big, big difference. And you can't really compare them apples to apples a lot of times. So uh, if you're going to a private college, you can kind of see where you rank among private colleges and public college, you can uh, see among public colleges because there is about a 12% or 13% difference between private and public colleges if you look at them as a group. But you don't go to a group of colleges, you go to a single college. And you just want to see where is yours relative to the privates. And then of course you can always look, you know, relative to the public's as well. Uh, and then the median of both, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the chapter. Uh, and then I go through the match rates and persistence rates with private versus public as well. Um, then I talk about US News and World Report and, and, and they have their own super algorithm for figuring things out. But I feel like their, their last time they did pharmacy schools was 2020. And a lot has changed since then. Uh, and some the schools that are rank, should rank really high are not even on there. But I'm just letting you know that when you look at private schools on U.S. News and World Report, it really, really does not reflect the ability of a school to get a, a residency. The number one ranking school in the country, University of Findlay, is a private school that ranks number 108 on U.S. News. You know, how is that possible? You know, the school that sends the most students, University of Florida is also you know, kind of a number one, but uh, they, uh, they rank number five uh, with US News. So uh, again, the, the US News and World Report is very favorable to uh, big, big schools. And uh, if you're at a private school, you can't really use that for residency. You might be able to use it for other stuff, uh, but not for residency. Uh, I do mention some stuff about pharmacy school applicants and kind of talking about the, the rankings list and, and how I uh, you know, talk about pass rate trends that if you are looking at pharmacy school, and most of you are already in pharmacy school or out of it, Uh, but that there are pass rate trends that we can look at and confirmation bias. So uh, if you see, you know, low, low, high, you're like, oh, well, it'll probably be high next next semester. Uh, And that's kind of a confirmation bias. And then a little bit more about the law exams and uh, how underrepresented the private colleges are uh, when it comes to uh, the rankings. Uh, I talk a little bit more about more uh, match rankings and really try to explain persistence rate, which is my favorite way to rank a school that is from those students that started and registered to those that matched what is that ratio much more than the match rate which is really more okay you interviewed against other people you know how did you do Uh, then i talk a little bit about finances which i we we did with sydney in the debt-free pharmacy student but i kind of added some things because uh, the new uh, farmcast is out and there are a number of schools that are making, making it in-state tuition for out-of-state students. So I feel like UIC had, had converted already a couple years ago. Uh, MUSC also does this, and now Idaho State is coming in. So what's gonna happen is, is that a lot of people that might have thought of private schools in those areas uh, might be more attracted uh, to the public school that's gonna say, hey, you know what, come on over Uh, to our state uh, we'll be happy to have you Uh, scholarships so uh, again with scholarships it it really is very school dependent Uh, but for example when you talk about uh, i think it was belmont that had a a $25,000 a year scholarship which is significant if your tuition's 45 you get 25 off you're down to 20 and 20 is is really on the lower end of in-state the really lower end of in-state and, you know, getting to 25 is good, getting to 30 is about average. Uh, but make sure that if you're looking at scholarships, it, it's reasonable where it gets you. Uh, but then also watch out for that um, kind of uh, balloon at the end. Some, some schools do exact same tuition for all four years. Some schools do same, 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 plus plus 15,000 or 20,000 in the last year. And that's to kind of cover that summer. But make sure you know what, what you're kind of landing on with those. But there are kind of three different, you know, scholarships. The national co- company scholarships tend to be small, uh, you know, $5,000 or something like that. College scholarships, uh, especially on admission, can can be pretty high. Uh, they can go from a low of maybe $5,000 up to, you know, $25,000. And then sometimes there's named donor scholarships. And these you just have to apply for. But, uh, you know... If you're struggling with with money or something like that, I even remember going to my dean saying, hey, you know, things were a little tight this semester, uh, and they, I think, gave me a 500 or $1,000, which was important at the time. Uh, Cost of living, so just kind of going over the big city versus mid-sized city versus small town, uh, and then, you know, which is better, three-year, four-year online program, and then really getting that extra value from a dual degree. So I go beyond just, okay, here are the rankings, into here's not only the ranking, but how to get the best return on your investment. Because if you can get a low cost school and a decent match rate, and you still match to this place that you wanna be, then all is well, good job for you. Uh, But you can very easily overpay. That is, uh, pay for a school has a very low match rate. Uh, And obviously that's, that's not what we want, so. Uh, Anyway, but I'm excited about it. Uh, This is uh, Pharmacy School Rankings for Residency. uh, And uh, in future episodes, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk a little bit about how to judge a site by the rankings of their residents. And uh, hear me out on this. What I'm just saying is if you've got, you know, maybe four residents there and they've come from schools with a very high match rate, it's reasonable to kind of say, all right, well, let me look at where my school is. And if my school is geographically reasonable, that is, you know, they take people from my school in, in the majority. Uh, and then I look at theirs and I gave the example with Auburn because the problem is Auburn is so high. Uh, I think it was number 25 in the country. So if you're above that 25, all is well. And then even if you're a little below, maybe, you know, up to the 30, 35, But uh, one of the kind of surprises that came out of writing this book was that 50% of the residents come from 36 schools. So that isn't 36% of the schools, that is 36 schools. So that number is not necessarily kind of shocking because you're saying, okay, so, One quarter of the schools send 50% of the residents. Okay, What's shocking is that the other half of the residency spots are left for the other 112 schools or 75%. So I'll say it again, just 36 schools get half of all of the residency spots. And then the other 112 schools get the other half of the spots. So you can see that it's a huge skewed uh, issue. Uh, and then i I put those in there in a in a list about the the size of the schools when i kind of mentioned uh you know florida being uh, the top uh, biggest school and biggest contributor Uh, then you kind of go in with like unc uh, ucsf uh, southern cal was in there Iowa was in there so a bunch of different ones uh, that are in there that are part of that half so uh, anyway uh, the, the whole point of the book is is that you can not only look at yourself as your chances for residency, but then you can start looking at each individual site and say, all right, am I gonna be a good match for this place? And then you say, you know, everything I'm doing matches, but now let's look at the power of the school to get a match and how hard is this residency? And maybe they say, yeah, we had 200 applications or 300 applications. Well, an easy way for them to remove a lot of those applications is to, to look at your school's ranking. And, you know, if you come from a high-ranking school, a high-matching school, then yeah, you know, you have a reasonable shot. Uh, But if you don't, then just know where that fits, that that's more of a reach residency, Uh, certainly not a safety residency, uh, than, than one that maybe you're on the level with. But here's the cool thing. You may not have realized that your school also opens doors for you at places where Students have traditionally already gone. So I also mentioned in the, the Auburn episode that uh, you really should be looking, if you are an Auburn student, at where the Auburn students went last year. And Sanford students would probably want to look there too. Because what happens is they tend to take people from in the state in Alabama uh, because they're familiar with them. Uh, and it's uh, there's a law, psycholog- psychology law or something like that. Like the more you're around somebody, the more familiar they are, the more, you know, attracted you are to them. And I know this isn't dating, it is a match, but uh, in, in some ways uh, there's, there's some truth to that where the more they've kind of gotten to know you, the more comfortable they are with you, the more they've gotten to know students from your college that have been successful, uh, the more they like you as well. And then also, it's also nice that, you know, go into an interview, War Eagle, whatever it is they do at Auburn. Uh, and uh, just that you have that connection. So is it unfair? No, I don't think it is unfair. I think it's reasonable that if you are going to hire someone and you want to get the best hire, you're going to want to hire somebody that you probably know the most about. Uh, so uh, just recognize where you're at. But again, knowing the rankings really helps you with that. So uh, really excited. I'll, I'll have the audiobook out hopefully and, uh, something like 45 days, and I'll be able to, to kind of give you guys some of those. Um, but I think that this can be a real deal changer for many of you who uh, are a bit nervous about the residency process to see that, okay, my, my school ranks very high in interviews. Uh, it did okay in the match, uh, but in persistence, really, uh, they, I, I made a good choice. I got a good deal. Uh, for the the amount I'm paying in tuition, and then others of you uh, may find uh, the converse is true. But what the book will tell you and help you is know that okay, well, students did really well in you know applying, so their letters of recommendation were good, their recommend or their I why was good, their CVs were good, but something happened in the interview that that didn't work out as well as as they would have liked. So let me now that I'm know this right now, I can talk to my preceptors, hey, you know, I know my school hasn't had the the best match rate, and this is very tough to say, but uh, is there a way that maybe we could, we could work on some interview questions and things like that while we're doing this? And just as I interview the students that I have here on the Pharmacy Residency Podcast, and they're heard by thousands of people, uh, that's one way to kind of figure out, okay, Uh, Where am I, what am I doing with the interview? Where are my weaknesses and strengths? And I know people don't like to hear themselves, but you can gain so much when you know what your filler words are, if you use them. But some people use like a tremendous amount of times. So is something that I use way too much. I'll just kind of so, you know, kind of going into the next thing because I didn't quite think it through. And it's all about getting better. It really is. So (laughs) there it is. I'm excited to present pharmacy school rankings for residency solving the applications puzzle for future pharmacists. I'm gonna have the next couple episodes talking about what not to put on the letter of intent and what to put in the letter of intent. But just to let you know that the, the new template is out and you get that if you join Uh, the list at pharmacyresidencypodcast.com it should send the new LOI template uh, to you right away